Blog Talk Radio. Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is Friday. It is October the 5th, 2018, and it is a pleasure and privilege to join you. Uh, last week, I wound up with technical difficulties, so I was not on the air, but I'm back today. As they say, the Freddy Krueger deal, I'm back. Uh, and again, uh, quite a week. Happy to uh, spend an hour with you. Some stuff that we should really be considering, but I want to first of all Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening to my program. <clears throat> if you're familiar with me, you know that I'm a retired senior special agent with the former Immigration and Naturalization Service, the INS, an agency that was basically uh, dismantled and reconfigured under the Department of Homeland Security in ways that frankly made it all but impossible for the uh, effective enforcement of our immigration laws and border security. It's an issue that I've complained bitterly about for the longest time, because if you look at the 9-11 Commission report, the commission to which I provided testimony, first and foremost, not only the 9-11 attacks, but other terrorist attacks would not have been possible if the immigration system had worked the way it's supposed to work. So uh, how in the world we can ignore the roles of border security and effective immigration law enforcement where the so-called war on terror, the war on transnational gangs and narcotics traffickers uh, and other folks who come to America not to help share the American dream but to create an American nightmare, Uh, how you can possibly not want to see those laws enforced leaves me shaking my head, uh, leaves me infuriated. Uh, But unfortunately, both political parties have a vested interest in the status quo, and the status quo Uh, for lack of a better way of explaining it, is to create immigration dysfunction and incoherence, to use a word that was uh, used at a hearing over a decade ago by John Hostetler, the Republican former chairman of the House Immigration Subcommittee, immigration incoherence. Too many people, forgive me, I have a little bit of a frog in my throat this evening, too many people in too many positions of power are literally and figuratively making out like bandits on immigration and many other issues, and all the while keeping the American people in the dark, involved in what I call the mushroom treatment, keeping us in the dark and feeding us a lot of fertilizer. Immigration is a great example. And the insanity that we've been witnessing for the past couple of weeks with uh, Judge Kavanaugh is another example of dysfunctional Washington, and and I want to talk about it, but I want to remind everybody, please go to my website. It's michaelcutler.net. Please go to frontpagemagazine, frontpagemag.com. Within the next couple of weeks, the Social Contract, the quarterly journal, will be getting published, and I wrote for them what I believe will be the lead article, and it's about how America has actually become a sanctuary country. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. We really don't have immigration law enforcement. You can't tell me we have immigration law enforcement 
when we have unknown millions of illegal aliens in the United States. That, in fact, was the topic of, a, of an article, the front page that they published on October 1 that was entitled, Twice as Many Illegal Aliens in the United States According to MIT. The subtitle, The Magnitude of the Crisis, is greater than it had been reported. So this all comes together. This all comes together. And what we have seen are politicians who are so determined to garner campaign contributions, which are nothing more than bribes. Let's be blunt. I don't have time for, for the nonsense about being polite about this. <clears throat> and they're making out like bandits on immigration. They're making out like bandits on a host of issues. And they're not putting America or Americans first. They're putting themselves first, not even their own political parties. I have never seen more greed-driven political uh, characters on all levels of government, local, state, federal, city, doesn't matter. The level of greed and selfishness, I believe, is unparalleled. It's very disturbing. It concerns me about our kids and about our grandchildren. The country that we will leave them in this particularly dangerous era should have all of us concerned. <clears throat> and, and I'm going to make a confession that, if you're familiar with me, you know is the case. I'm a lifelong registered Democrat. I don't know what happened to the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party has been hijacked. It has been taken over, uh, not uh, any not differently from the way the airliners were hijacked on 9/11 by people who are hell bent on conquest at any and all cost, even if it costs us our cherished system of justice, our freedoms, our concept of democracy, are all on the line all on the line. This is not the Democratic Party that I signed on for back when I was in college. Uh, I hate to tell you how many decades ago. What I witnessed, what we witnessed with this confirmation hearing um, was, was terrifying. It was terrifying because what we saw were the elite politicians, the U.S. Senate, the upper house, right, the, 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 the best of the best, if this is the best of the best, God help everybody, People who truly understand what our system of justice is supposed to be about, the presumption of innocence. Um, there was an amazing speech. I don't know how many of you may have seen it. If you haven't seen it, I'm sure it's available on YouTube. Uh, Senator Sue Collins, the Republican from Maine, took about a half hour to lay out in detail, <clears throat> almost as though she was a prosecutor summing up the case, uh, as to why she was going to vote for Brent Kavanaugh. And I will tell you, it was brilliant, it was masterful, it was rational, it was logical, it was reasonable. Not because I think that Judge Kavanaugh should be confirmed, and I do, because, you know, this wasn't about whether she was on which side of the argument. It was how she laid out the process by which she came to the conclusion that she had to approve Kavanaugh because the arguments used against him could not be substantiated. If you read my article for front page, I just published it this morning, and the, the title of my article is Attacks on Kavanaugh and Attacks on Due Process, the Democrats' War with the Rule of Law. And, and when you could hear politicians saying, well, there's enough accusations about Kavanaugh, we need to have a different candidate for the, for the Supreme Court, blows my mind. Uh, I, I, you know, I was a law enforcement officer for 30 years, and we had a boss by the name of Walter Connery. He was an attorney. 
He had been a member of the New York City Police Department. He rose to the rank of deputy inspector, which is quite lofty. He was part of the Knapp Commission, which was involved. It was a major investigation into corruption by the NYPD. In fact, at one point, he was assigned to Internal Affairs as a deputy inspector. And he went from the NYPD upon retirement to the Immigration Service. He became the head of Internal Affairs for the INS in Washington, ran afoul of our bosses in Washington, and wound up coming back to New York as what was then known as the Assistant District Director for Investigations, the uh, guy that supervised all of the investigations conducted by immigration agents for the New York City District Office, the office where I worked my entire career. <clears throat> and Walter always used to warn us, you could indict a ham sandwich. And I forget which uh, judge said that. A very famous statement, though, very important concept. You can indict a ham sandwich. Alan Dershowitz, uh, to my recollection, recently said that everybody commits uh, an average of three felonies a day if somebody wants to go after them. But when we go after people for committing crimes, which is what I did professionally for 30 years, you look at evidence, and then you have to take it through the criminal justice system. You have to you know, go before a grand jury, get the person indicted. Either they plead guilty or it goes to a trial, and it's all about evidence. Simply having someone jump up and say, oh, this guy did X, Y, and Z to me, doesn't make him a criminal. Uh, let me be very clear about this. When we talk about criminal aliens, and we hear a lot of talk about the use of language, and I, I get kind of nuts when I, when I hear people throw terms around without realizing the importance of the words, and sometimes, frankly, uh, even President Trump has issues with language. A criminal alien, in terms of what we as immigration agents saw as a criminal alien, was an alien who had been convicted of crimes. If there was no conviction, we did not see that alien as a criminal alien. You don't deport an alien because someone accused him or accused her of doing something illegal. There has got to be proof. There's got to be a conviction. There's got to be due process. Otherwise, what you have is a lynch mob. And it's all well and good for the folks that say, we've heard enough about Kavanaugh, throw him out. What happens when it's they themselves or a candidate for the court or some other high position in government who gets falsely accused for committing crimes that he or she never committed just because we will establish a new norm, a norm that I pray to God we never establish, that all it takes is someone pointing a finger and you're gone. Imagine what that would mean. Imagine what that would mean. Somebody doesn't like you. They make sure that someone comes forward without any evidence and says, Joe Smith did it. And everyone gives the guy a thumbs down, and he's out of there. Is that due process? Is that justice? Of course it's not. But look how close we stand to the precipice of that kind of insanity, all because some politicians didn't like Judge Kavanaugh. Maybe they thought he was too conservative. Well, that's fine. They could think that. They could vote him down. They could find reasons why, good, solid cause for voting him down. But to say he must not be approved because a woman accused him of sexual assault and couldn't come up with one corroborating witness, that should scare all of us. That should scare all of us. 
Time and again, we have seen people make accusations about other people to be able to sue them, to be able to take retribution. In law enforcement, we saw it all the time. I was blessed. Nobody ever lodged a complaint against me for doing anything wrong as an agent, and I made many, many, many arrests. I've always been very proud of that. But I know that there have been cases where agents I worked with were falsely accused of doing something wrong. And then Internal Affairs gets involved. We, in the federal government, it's called the Office of Professional Responsibility, OPR. And they do an, investi- an investigation, an exhaustive investigation. And then they find out that it didn't really happen. Now, imagine if simply on an allegation we fired people or put them in jail. We're talking about public lynchings. That's not criminal justice. That's not due process. We have the Democrats screaming and ranting and raving, oh, nobody is illegal. Nobody should be deported. Gang members have the, the spark of divinity. Judge Kavanaugh wasn't accused of being a gang member. Judge Kavanaugh wasn't accused of anything. He simply accepted a nomination for the President of the United States to to fill a seat on the United States Supreme Court, and all hell broke loose. And the timing was unbelievable. You know, in law enforcement, we have an expression that if you see a coincidence, look again. How um, Dianne Feinstein could have had this letter from from uh, this woman and held on to it for as long as she did, and then at the 11th hour, pop it out and go, look what I got. Where was it a week ago, Diane? Where was it two weeks ago, Diane? Where was it the day you got it? And by the way, Diane, why in the world are you not honoring that woman's request for privacy, that it not be divulged publicly? And what's so sad to me, is after 9-11, I worked closely with one of Dianne Feinstein's key staffers. And Dianne Feinstein was on the right side of so many of these issues. She had an amazing record. This was a woman who on February the 24th, 1998, two days short of the fifth anniversary of the first bombing at the World Trade Center, Uh, participated in a a Senate Judiciary Committee hearing into foreign terrorists operating in the United States, and she took proper positions. She said that perhaps we ought to end the visa waiver pilot program. It was a pilot program then. I agreed with her. I've been saying this for the longest time. Maybe we shouldn't be giving visas to aliens who come from countries that sponsor terrorism. The same thing that Donald Trump said, except this was Dianne Feinstein, and this was actually before 9-11, three and a half years, four years before 9-11. Nobody fainted, nobody carried on. She said, maybe we shouldn't be giving training in biochemistry and nuclear physics to people who come from countries that sponsor terrorism. And I'm making these points because these were rational, fact-based, intellectual-based positions that I applauded. She was the voice of reason. And all of a sudden, in the twilight of her career, twilight of her career, this is what she's likely to be remembered for. What in the world is she thinking? How in the world do you go from being rational, reasonable, fair, to what we just saw with Judge Kavanaugh? It's very disturbing because, you see, situations can flip-flop. At some point, I'm not looking forward to it, but at some point, I hope it's decades from now, maybe they'll wake up and go back to having a semblance of sanity and, and reasonableness, 
the Democrats will be in power. <clears throat> and they're going to want to get one of their candidates approved for the Supreme Court. Do you think that they would be happy if the Republicans did to their candidate what they just did to Judge Kavanaugh and his family? They didn't just try to knock him out of the box for the Supreme Court. They tried to destroy his life. Harvard said they're not interested in having him teach anymore because the students are convinced he's unfit. Based on what? And this should scare you folks. Because we're talking about law school, Harvard Law School, one of the premier law schools in the United States, perhaps the world. And you have people studying to be lawyers and judges, throwing out the notion of due process, presumption of innocence. Doesn't matter whether he did it, he's unfit. Based on what? Doesn't matter. Joe Manchin was being interviewed by Fox News today, except he couldn't be interviewed because the protesters were screaming, shame, shame, shame. And they kept screaming it so loudly and so frequently, you couldn't hear a word that Joe Manchin said. And I was sitting there watching this with my wife, and we were talking about the First Amendment. And my wife said, well, do they have the First Amendment right to do that? I said, well, as far as I was concerned, they were actually stomping on Senator Manchin's right to express himself. This wasn't about a discussion. This was about drowning him out. And metaphorically, that's what we've been witnessing. We've been witnessing the extreme left, the radical left, drowning out the First Amendment, drowning out the notion of the presumption of innocence, drowning out the Constitution, drowning out reasonableness. If you think that Manchin's making a mistake, you want to have a discussion with him, by all means, have at it. I've sat down with many members of Congress, many members of the United States Senate, and in some cases they have accommodated me where I could do so in private, and sometimes I did it very publicly when I was called before Congress to testify. I think we're up to 16 or 17 congressional hearings. So sure, as an American, you have every right to be heard, especially by people who represent you. Maybe enough of us aren't trying to be heard, so that they don't even know how to represent us anymore because most people don't get into get involved and we should all be getting involved. But to drown out a United States senator who was being interviewed for a national news television, television news program it wasn't just in poor taste and it wasn't just disrespectful. To my thinking, they were violating the senator's First Amendment right to express himself. How do you express yourself when your voice is being drowned out by a chorus of screaming women, which is what he was subjected to, because they didn't like who he voted for, that he said he was going to vote for Kavanaugh to be appointed to the Supreme Court. Shame on Manchin. Why? Again, we come back to what did Manchin do? And I was sitting down yesterday, I did a television show in Connecticut. Afterwards, I was sitting next to this attorney and very smug, had all the answers in the universe about everything. And when the topic turned to Donald Trump, Donald Trump is terrible, he's a swindler, he's this, he's that, he's the other thing. And I said, well, how do you you know, look at that and then look at what Hillary Clinton did with the server in her house and with the uranium deal and all the other things that she did? You know, if you want to tell me that politicians do bad things, I'll be the first one to stand up and tell you you're 100% right. But this is really Trump derangement syndrome, because Trump does everything wrong. The fact that he's breathing probably offended this guy. 
swear to God. But everything Hillary did was minor. It was years ago. And I said, well, wait a minute. Judge Kavanaugh purportedly did this, even if you believe that he did it. I don't. More years ago than Hillary was Secretary of State. She violated national security by putting a server in her house with that computer, the computer server. And no matter what you said about Hillary, she was blameless or it was insignificant or it was too long ago. Issue by issue. I said, could you think of anything she did wrong? Absolutely not. You think she did things okay? No, she was right. She's a leader. She was the Secretary of State. What about Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky? Oh, that was a long time ago. But if Donald Trump did it, how would you react? Well, he just became president. These are the kinds of answers that you're getting. Now, what should terrify everybody is that the guy that I had this if you want to call it conversation with yesterday after the program, is a lawyer. If you want to look at it from any other perspective, the people at Harvard are law students, and they are so fervent in their beliefs that you can't have a conversation and say, well, wait a moment, I disagree with you. That's what disturbs me. Every one of these people is certainly entitled to their opinions. That's fine. You know, opinions are like backsides. We all have one. But when you're talking about future lawyers and judges, as Alan Dershowitz said, from the people that attend Harvard Law School, will come the next Supreme Court judge, perhaps a president, uh, senators, members of Congress, attorneys working for major corporations. And if these folks who will ultimately rise to levels of power have no appreciation of due process, no appreciation of the presumption of innocence, then where, where in the world have we gone? How hard would it be to impose a totalitarian government on citizens who don't understand that the process is everything? You know, in my article, and I, and I hope you will all go to Front Page Magazine, uh, I talked about two juries where I w- was part of the juries. And when the judge after the trial, before we entered the deliberation stage, charge the jury, gives the jury its marching orders, if you will. And in both cases, the judges were very, very clear. It's not just the defendant who is on trial, but the system is on trial every time there's a trial. In other words, Lady Justice is the co-defendant in every case. Our notion of presumption of innocence and due process are always on the line. And when you have a mobocracy where all you have to do is be the wrong person or be associated with the wrong person, you're automatically guilty, we have then, on that day, God forbid it should come, lost America. Period. This is inconsistent with the principles upon which this great republic was founded. You're not guilty until proven innocent. This is not the Napoleonic Code, but we're turning it into the Napoleonic Code. And to watch those young women screaming at a United States senator, shame, 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 louder and louder and louder where you couldn't hear anything but their shrill voices, then you say to yourself, wait a minute, did anybody prove that Judge Kavanaugh did any of the things that he was accused of doing? And the answer is no. And Sue Collins went into detail about how dangerous a path this is, why the presumption of innocence is so important, 
and why what they've done with Mansion with uh, with uh, Kavanaugh uh, is wrong. And, and and again, I was listening to to, to Senator Mansion struggling to be heard. He kept his, his cool. I, I got to give him that. But it was frustrating for him. It was frustrating for me. I'm sure it was frustrating for everybody to, in essence, listen to these women accuse Judge Kavanaugh of crimes when nobody could corroborate anything. And people typically make complaints. I started to talk about when I was an agent that I never had any complaints for. We have many instances where an agent makes an arrest or a cop makes an arrest and the bad guy says, oh, the cop beat me. Well, he didn't. The cop did this. No, he didn't. In fact, probably one of the funniest stories I could think of off the top uh, involved two deportation officers, and their job is to take the alien back to his apartment so he could get his personal belongings because they were going to put him on an airplane. They They had an order of deportation from a judge saying, he's out of here. So picture the scene. It's it's kind of funny in a twisted way. So they've got the guy in handcuffs. He doesn't want to be deported. He's back cuffed. He's back cuffed. But from what I remember, he was a real big guy. I didn't see him, but I heard this from a third party, one of the other agents. And this guy gets out of the car, and he manages to shrug off the two deportation officers, and he runs full speed purposely into a steel pole at the corner of a fence on, on some property. Cracks his head open. Bleeding profusely, he sprawls out on the ground. <clears throat> and he apparently did it thinking that he could then claim that he was beaten, sue the deportation officers, and then not be deported. To say, well, I can't be deported, I've been injured, and I was beat up, and these terrible things happened to me. His plan went very badly wrong because what he didn't realize when he ran at that fence when he put his head down and smashed it into the pole this guy was desperate right next to the pole was a car parked at the curb sitting in the car were two new york city police officers who witnessed the entire occurrence fortunate for the deportation officers the cops came forward and said yeah this is what we saw the guy got out of the car ran to the fence smashed his head into it blood spurted everywhere, and there he is. So as I remember the way the story ended, they took the guy to the emergency room, they put some stitches in his dumb head, and he wound up on the airplane anyway, but maybe the next day. But allegations of all sorts of crimes are not unusual. If you go into divorce court, there's three sides to the story, his, hers, and the truth. But suddenly we've become a country that doesn't care about the truth. We just want, quote, unquote, justice. And what's justice? If you could nail the guy that you don't like, we now call that justice. Folks, that's not justice. It's not democracy. It's not law. It's not due process. It's tyranny. And it's a giant step in the direction of a totalitarian country. Because if this is the way we're going to start to conduct business, that any time that people in political power want to put someone in jail like the secret police do in dictatorships, all that is needed is an accusation without any evidence to back up the accusation. Is that the country you want to live in? Is that the country that we want to leave to our children? And you know, there's one other point that needs to be made, and this comes back to immigration, but it relates to this very kind of case. 
we, we've gone out of our minds in this country over illegal aliens. Uh, the left in particular, they don't want to deport gang members. They, they create sanctuary cities. They're calling for dismantling ICE altogether. Let's have immigration anarchy, open borders, let the good times roll. Not really. But it used to be that if an alien filed a petition so that his, his wife or her husband or whatever could live with them, uh, they would do so. In fact, I adjudicated those applications for a year back in the, in the 70s. Hate to admit how long ago it was. I spent the years in the adjudications office or on a fraud pilot program to try to uncover fraud. And very often, people would fall victim to an unscrupulous alien who said, ah, here's my chance. I'm going to marry this poor dummy. He'll get me my green card, then I'll divorce him and marry my true love, or I'll move on and whatever, but I've got my green card. And we've seen it happen time and again. Now, very often, people pay Americans or people who have green cards to marry them so they can get legal status. That does go on. And and, and we uncovered a case involving Chinese crewmen who were paying believe it or not, Puerto Rican lesbian hookers of all people to, to engage in this. Multiple cases, uh, there was a Chinese-American law firm that was behind this, this major ring. Uh, the, the lawyer was convicted. It was the first time I testified at a, at a federal trial. But what you need to understand is that the law got changed, and it was spearheaded primarily by the folks on the left because the concern was that you can have a husband, for example, tell the wife, I'm not going to give you your green card. And they beat the woman up, and she runs for help, but now she's going to be deported because the husband withdrew the application. That's how twisted everything has become. And it's a provision of the Violence Against Women's Act. Well, with a title like that, if you dare vote down the Violence Against Women's Act, then you're a wife beater or you support wife beating. That's how twisted we've become. So we've had instances, and and many of them, by the way, where women, for example, and I know of a case where a man did this, where women marry some guy, and if the guy catches wise to the fact that they really aren't going to live with them once they get the green card, and the husband says, the hell with you, I'm getting a divorce or an annulment, and I'm not going to allow you to get a green card by, by playing me for a fool, now the alien can file for a green card purely if, they are the victims of spousal abuse. Now, look what that sets up. I got a call from a law firm in Florida. This is several years ago. And an American man who had been a Vietnam War vet, he was in his late 50s at the time, married this Russian lady who was significantly younger, and she was a great companion. Whatever he wanted to do, she wanted to do it twice. If he wanted Chinese food, she wanted Chinese food. If, she wanted, if he wanted to go for a walk at 3 in the morning, she ran to put her sneakers on. Until they got married, then he filed the application for her green card, and suddenly she doesn't even want to sleep with him, doesn't want to have dinner with him, comes home at 3 in the morning, her clothing is all disheveled, drunk. Uh, it appeared to him that she was probably you know, messing around and so forth. And he said, listen, we're adults. You're 40, I'm 55, whatever the ages are. We're not children. I'm not going to get crazy, but I'm not going to allow you to get away with it. I'm going to withdraw my application for you to get your green card. Lo and behold, two or three days later, the police arrest the poor husband. Why? She filed a complaint, the wife, that her husband had beat her up. It was a lie. 
and he gets arrested, and he's charged with a 20-year felony because he has a concealed carry permit, and his gun is in a safe. He never pulled the gun on her. But the fact that she made the claim that he did physical harm to her was enough that they arrest him and charge him with a 20-year felony. And the lawyer calls me up and says, you're an expert on immigration. Is there any way you can help us? And I said, well, she may be trying to self-petition. The first thing you need to do is to find out from immigration authorities did she file for a green card as the victim of spousal abuse? Second of all, does she have a sister, perhaps, who's done something similar so we can show that she was educated about this particular tactic? Well, guess what? We get yes for both answers. The day that the police arrested him, she immediately ran to immigration and filed the self-petition, and her sister had pulled something very similar, also with a former veteran. When she heard and her sister heard that I was prepared to go to Florida to testify, she immediately withdrew her complaint against her husband and said she would abandon her application and go back to Russia. She showed up at the district attorney's office in Florida with a ticket to Moscow, and she left. Had I not gotten involved, who knows, she'd probably be a citizen today, and this poor guy was looking at a long jail sentence. Now, why am I telling you the story? Well, I'm telling you the story because if we get to the point where you don't need convictions for anything, then this woman could walk into the police precinct, say, my husband beat me, they put him in jail, why bother with a trial? What the hell is an accusation? And she gets to be a citizen, and he gets to spend the rest of his life behind bars. That's where we're headed if this isn't nipped in the bud. The Democrats are taking us down a very dangerous path, and I'm not being partisan. I am angry, though, as a registered Democrat, because I never thought I would see any significant political party take such a tight, hard turn to the dark side. That's how dangerous this all is. Understand the trajectory that we are on. This is way bigger than Judge Kavanaugh. And, and, you know, we could see this coming. You had Governor Cuomo threatening to prosecute ICE agents for doing their jobs, calling them thugs. Why in the world would the governor of the state of New York, the state that was hammered the hardest on 9-11, turn ICE agents into the villains, the people who go after the terrorists? The second largest contingent of law enforcement officers on the Joint Terrorism Task Force are immigration agents. But it doesn't matter, because he has a political agenda. And the political agenda is to turn American heroes, ICE agents, into the enemy. And he had no problem with it. The rhetoric was incendiary. And that's all that we keep hearing is incendiary rhetoric. There's no rational conversation. There's no logic. There's no debate. Uh, I, I debated on the high school and college debating teams. I think everybody should have to be on a team for at least a year and be an active participant to understand that these ad hominem attacks, these attacks on people aren't acceptable. You can argue against a position, but when you start to making this personal and start to make false accusations, then we're in dangerous territory. Because then we no longer need trials. And if we no longer need trials, we will have public lynchings. That's the direction we're going. Judge Kavanaugh and his family were lynched in public. He was, and certainly it had to have an impact on his daughters and on his wife. I don't think they're going to be the same. 
that he's going to be on the Supreme Court, hopefully. But his daughters are going to bear those scars for life. You want to talk about the scars that the victim of a sexual assault carry with them for life? What scars are his daughters going to carry with them for life, knowing that their father, who they idolized, and rightfully so, could be so easily and so scandalously and apparently, apparently falsely attacked? Sexual assault isn't a joke. Anybody who could do that to a woman needs to be in jail. But we're talking about someone who's convicted of a crime. Judge Kavanaugh had his reputation dragged through the mud, spat upon, trampled, without a shred of corroborating evidence. You don't put people in jail without evidence. You don't destroy people's lives without evidence. I hope that he could sort out who was behind it and sue them for everything that they're worth for defamation of character. Because I can assure you that his family has been traumatized. Traumatized in a way that few people would even begin to comprehend. A crime was committed. A crime was committed. And Judge Kavanaugh was the victim of a vicious assault. An assault on his reputation. An assault on his future. Because if he is not confirmed on the Supreme Court, his days as a lawyer or as a judge are in question. He's lost his job teaching at Harvard. And what was the crime that he committed? The President of the United States called upon him and said, I want to nominate you for the Supreme Court. That apparently was the crime that Judge Kavanaugh committed. He agreed to the nomination. He said, okay, let's go forward. If this is what we do to people who answer the call to service for our country, if this is how they're treated, who in their right mind will ever step forward again? Imagine the flotsam and jetsam that would be willing to come forward given this kind of insanity that was foisted on this judge. We need to have our voices heard in our government, folks. For far too long, we've been sitting back and trying to let someone else take up the the responsibility, carry the banner, and and, and do what needs to be done. Everyone thinks they're too busy or it's not something they can do or I'm only one person. You know, I hear all these arguments. Uh, When 9-11 happened, I, I made a decision I had to come forward, not because I'm a hero, but because I'm an American, because I'm a father. Now I'm a grandfather. I have children. I have grandchildren. I'm concerned about their futures. You can't be a good parent if you're not involved in politics because this is about the future of our children and their children. We need to be involved. And if you want to see the way we've been getting conned left, right, and center, let's let's give a little bit of thought to the second article that I wanted to talk to you about tonight. And this is the one about how many illegal aliens are actually in the United States. And, and it's almost funny But it isn't because the consequences are anything but humorous. For years we've been hearing 11 million illegals, 11 million illegals. (coughs) Pardon me. And no one really seems to know how to count them. 
Because it's not just people running the Mexican border or the Canadian border or stowing away on ships. It's people who overstay visas or people who work without permission when they come on, on tourist visas or people who enter or students and fail to go to the schools. We go down the whole list. How in the world do you even begin to figure out how many illegal aliens are here? You know, I, I made the comparison that this is kind of like trying to figure out the mass of a black hole. Black holes are virtually invisible because they're black. They absorb most light, although now... They think there's something called Hawking radiation, but I'm not going to get into it. But for all intents and purposes, black holes are black. They don't reflect light. You can't see them directly. So if you want to look for a black hole, look at stars that orbit it very closely or or look at the way that you see something called gravitational lensing, something Einstein had conceptualized, that gravity is a wrinkle in the space-time continuum so late getting too close to the star, is displaced. In fact, they first proved it during an eclipse, I think it was in 1918, where a star seemed to shift position towards the edge of the the eclipse itself, the sun that was blocked by the moon, because the gravitational pull of the sun distorted the, the image of the star. So they looked for that kind of distortions about black holes. Well, why am I talking about black holes? Because you can't see them directly. So you find all kinds of ways of inferring where they are and how big they are and so forth by the impact it has on its immediate environment. Illegal aliens can't be counted when they run the border because there's no record created of their entry. They're an unknown quantity. But yet you have these people come on with these thick bulletproof glasses, you know. They look like Coke bottles held up to their eyes, and they sit there with a very serious face. There's 11,309.2 people. How did we get the 2.2 people? God only knows. The person's half born today. I, I mean, it, it's silly. It's silly. They give you these exact numbers. We're clueless. We're clueless. How many illegal aliens falsely claim to be American citizens? I wrote an article not long ago about illegal aliens voting by falsely claiming to be Americans. We used to go and interview people as immigration agents, let's say in the jails. And people would say, oh, I'm from, I'm from Puerto Rico. And, you, you know, the guy was from the Dominican Republic. But we were taught how to figure out the lies. That was a, a, a good part of the training we had, was breaking false claims of citizenship, the way Secret Service learns how to be able to figure out if money is counterfeit, because that's their bailiwick, counterfeit money. One of their responsibilities, besides protecting the president and chiefs of, of government who come to the United States, heads of state, but who else cares about false claims to citizenship, especially in sanctuary cities? They're not even asking them where these people were born. What's your date of birth? Oh, is that it? Okay, great. They don't even want to know if you were born in the Bronx or were born in Bermuda. They don't care. He's a warm body. We're not going to talk about immigration. So where are we getting the numbers from? And the answer is we're pulling the numbers out of thin air. When Reagan foisted the amnesty on us in 1986, we were told about a million aliens were going to come forward. We wound up with over three and a half million. Slight discrepancy. Now, maybe some of them came afterwards, after the cutoff date, and lied about when they came here. Who knows? Maybe there was underestimates. We don't know. But the point is, we have no idea, but everyone is singing the same song And along comes MIT and does a study, and the study says, no, they're wrong. Could be twice that number, maybe more. So now suddenly 11 million might be 20, 22 million. Who knows? We don't know. Now, why is this important? Why should we care? (coughs) 
we should care because the number of illegal aliens impacts our day-to-day lives. It impacts the economy. It impacts the emergency room because many illegal aliens use emergency rooms as their primary health care provider. They send their children to school. Many of those kids can't speak, read, or write English, so we're spending ever more money on English as a second language. That takes money from American kids with learning disabilities or American kids who could use a new laboratory in the school. They don't get the lab because too much money has to go to English as a second language. But if you're an immigration anarchist, and both parties are, the budget was just signed. There's no money for the wall. You're never going to see the wall, folks. Believe me, you're never going to see the wall. The Republicans don't want it any more than the Democrats don't want it. Except the Democrats are going to get in your face and say, no more ice. The Republicans are going to say, that's silly. We need to enforce the law. Let's hire five more agents this year. You know, that's, that's the game that's being played. That's what I wrote about for the social contract. The only person in this country in a position of authority, or two people, that really want the immigration laws enforced are Attorney General Jeff Sessions and President Donald Trump. The rest of our government doesn't really want immigration enforcement. Yeah, there are some candidates. My, my friend Lou Barletta running for the Senate I know he wants secure borders and effective immigration law enforcement. Congressman Steve King, certainly. But but how many others really want that? How in the world do you not secure the Mexican border when we know that there are terrorists on the other side of the border? There was just a hearing April of, two, of this year. Peter King over at the Homeland Security Committee held a hearing about Hamas and Hezbollah and terrorists operating in Latin America in increasing numbers, sending sleeper agents into the United States along with drugs because they're working in close coordination with the cartels. Shouldn't that create a big enough incentive to close down the damn border? You would think. You would think. But nothing happens. Hearing after hearing after hearing. In fact, my subtitle to the article was so many hearings, so little time, so, so little effort, rather. There's no results. We have all these hearings, and they keep having these hearings, I can't tell you how many times I have read hearings, the, the transcripts, and they talk about sleeper agents and Latin American drugs and gangs and money and guns and violence. And what do we do about it? We hold more hearings. Do we secure the border? Of course not. What are we doing? This is suicidal. Both parties are in on it. Both parties want to downplay the numbers of illegal aliens because they are kowtowing to the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. They're kowtowing to Soros, and they're kowtowing to the Koch brothers. Everyone's in on the gag except the average American who may well lose their lives, their jobs, whatever. This is not about xenophobia, but that's the the allegation. And when you speak to the crazies who who are screaming that, that Kavanaugh isn't qualified, the other thing that you hear is Trump is a xenophobe, and he's a racist, and he's a bigot. You say, why? He wanted to keep aliens out from certain countries. I said, yeah, these are the countries that sponsor terrorism. Well, it's more than that. What does that mean? They have no answer. We have Americans who are blindly following an ideology that is determined to destroy our democracy. And I know there's conservatives listening, cringing and saying, Republic, Mike, it's a republic. Yes, but it's the democratic process where citizens' voices are heard and respected by their own government. How respectful are our own leaders when almost every rational American, the crazies aren't rational, so 
we discount them. But how many Americans, if they had a magic wand, would secure the Mexican border? Still no fence, no wall. No wall. But lots of stories. Lots of stories and lots of resentment for the Trump administration for even trying to do it. You know, I, I began doing this program and doing all the other things that I've been doing because of 9-11, because of the terror attacks, because of what I learned as an immigration agent working with the Drug Task Force. <coughs> border security is national security. And yet we don't have border security. And this broken immigration system isn't broken. I'll, I'll, I'll keep making this point until I turn purple. The immigration system is working more efficiently than any other system in the federal government, next to perhaps a rocket launch from NASA, because it's a system that's supposed to fail. This is failure by design because it's a delivery system. The immigration system has now been modified, if you will, to be the biggest importer of cheap, exploitable labor, foreign students, foreign tourists, and for the immigration lawyers in Congress, and you can find those critters on both sides of the aisle, and then limited supply of clients for immigration lawyers. So th- these are failures by design. So look at how dysfunctional we've become. The president nominates a judge to be the Supreme Court ju- to become a Supreme Court justice, and the, the crazies on the left launch the most disgusting attack I've ever seen. Next to the days when, uh, the day that Cuomo came out and called immigration agents thugs and promised to prosecute them, along with this woman who's running for attorney general in New York State, I, I can't even imagine this. I can't wrap my brain around this. And then you have these attacks on Kavanaugh, without anybody corroborating it. And it wasn't only this one woman; there were other women who suddenly jumped up and said, "Me too. Here I am. Come here. I'll, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it." And just as quickly, they disappeared. Why didn't they come forward? Where did they go? Why did they jump up one minute and disappear the next minute? I'll let you come to your own conclusions. But the timing is remarkable. If you want to talk about a coincidence, how is it that Kavanaugh, Judge Kavanaugh goes through days of questioning, nothing comes up, and then Diane Feinstein jumps up and says, I've got this letter in my hand. And then the woman stands up and says she had no idea that she could have stayed at home in California and they would have come to her. If you watch the news, Senator Chuck Grassley, who's an honest, honorable guy, in fact, he invited me to my last hearing before the Senate Judiciary Committee a few years ago, was on TV repeatedly saying, we'll come to you. Whenever, wherever, you tell us where you are, we'll hop on an airplane and come to you. We'll send the staff to meet you. She said she was afraid to fly and then had to admit that she's been flying all over the world. For a woman who's afraid to fly, that was rather remarkable. And you can't forget the other women who came forward and then vanished right after they made their allegations. And it all happened within a couple of days of each other. If that timing isn't suspicious beyond words, I don't know what is. So our government is descending into chaos, anarchy, sedition, You have Maxine Waters and other members of the Democratic Party telling their true believers to go out there and attack members of the opposition as though this is warfare. When have we ever heard that in America? 
In Jamaica, when there's an election, the bloodshed is unbearable. I had informants in the Jamaican community back when I was an immigration agent, and every time there was an election, they they would roll the, the wagons from the morgue to pick up the dead bodies the next day because the gunfire was all over the place, and there were corpses lying in the street. That's the way they celebrate Election Day uh, in, in some third-world countries. Is that what we're aiming for here, literally, in the United States? That when there's an election, there's bloodshed? Because we're only one hair away from that right now. Someone needs to rein in the madness. And those young women that are jumping up and thinking it's cool to deprive a senator his ability to articulate his thoughts, they might think it's all exciting and the cameras are rolling, but they're playing with fire. They're playing with fire. They're on the, the giving end. I want to see how they react when they go to becoming on the receiving end. And I don't want to see that day come. Don't misunderstand for a heartbeat what I'm saying. But they are playing with dynamite. And when dynamite explodes, it doesn't play favorites. They may think it plays favorites. They may think they've harnessed that explosion. Not so quickly. Not so quickly. They're playing a very dangerous game. And the American way of life, our freedoms, our Constitution, everything is hanging in the balance. And that's why we as Americans need to step forward. We need to say enough is enough. We need to reach out to these politicians and make it clear to them that we've had it. I don't care if politicians are with the hopping kangaroo party. If you think it's acceptable to tell people in America to confront and attack the other side, you need to be in jail for inciting riots. If you went into a ballpark and did that with a bunch of the fans, you'd be in handcuffs for inciting a riot. I agree with it completely. Freedom of speech doesn't give you the freedom to yell fire in a crowd at theater. You have politicians who are yelling Beat up the other side. Attack the other side. They're fair game. Go after them. Steve Scalise was shot by a looney tune. But perhaps that congressman's assailant was motivated by the madness that's coming out of the mouths of our supposed leaders. Those people aren't leaders. They're sociopaths. I used to think the world of Dianne Feinstein. I was very pleased with the fact that I could pick up a phone and, and get... Her, her key people, I don't mean, you know, the receptionist. And, and if, as it seems to be, that she orchestrated this, Diane, if that's what you really did, wow, you live with your conscience. Because if you are really, if you really did what it seems that you did, I'm really disappointed in you, and I think a lot of Americans ought to be. The system, our government, should come ahead of all other considerations. Putting America and the American criminal justice system and the American Constitution first should be the priority of every politician, no matter what party they're affiliated with. That is far more important to preserve than your seat in the House of Representatives or the Senate or control of the White House. Because long after we're gone, we want to leave behind the viable and free America. What we're witnessing today endangers that possibility. And that's something we all need to be mindful of and concerned about. 
as always, um, you know, I, I, I want all of you to, to take the time to read my articles. I also wrote an article a, a week ago that I was going to talk about had I not had technical difficulties, about how yet another Chinese citizen came to America, went to engineering school, joined the military as someone who was necessary because he spoke Chinese and saw in his ability to get into the military an opportunity, allegedly, to try to cultivate spies, recruit spies for China. Talk about biting the hand that feeds you. And if you see the relationship so-called between China and the United States, the president is finally trying to push back because for far too many years, American presidents have not pushed China back. We finally have a president who is. We can either pay a little now or a lot, well, we can pay a little now or lots more later on. I, I think what's happening with China is necessary from the perspective of what the Trump administration is trying to accomplish. America needs to look out for its citizens and itself before we take into account any other consideration, and that includes businesses that attempt to bribe our politicians with their campaign contributions. Again, the country, our way of life, the Constitution are far bigger and more important than any individual. Let's put America and the American system of justice and the American Constitution where it belongs in the role of preeminence where all of our considerations lie, where all of our concerns lie. And, and again, folks, you need to be involved, because I always like to make the point that democracy is not a spectator sport. If you like my articles, frontpagemag.com, the social contract, please pass them along to your friends. Do it by social media, do it by email, do it by a phone call. But please be part of my bucket brigade of truth, and let's wake people up and again, if you have the time this weekend, folks, or, or maybe you need to make the time, please spend the 30 minutes watching that amazing speech that Sue Collins, the senator from Maine, gave earlier today when she explained why she was voting for Judge Kavanaugh. For me, the issue isn't who she was voting for, although I'm glad she came to that conclusion personally. What was really important was the way she laid out the case for how and why she came to that ultimate decision. Brilliant speech, points all well taken. And again, it's interesting because she raised some of the points that I did in my article for Front Page Magazine. So here we are at the end of the hour. I hope it's uh, been of interest. I hope you find this uh, um, thought-provoking. And if so, mm -hmm. please tell as many folks as you can about my program, about my articles, and I hope you'll join me again next week at the same time right here on the Michael Cutler Hour. But meanwhile, folks, have a wonderful weekend. Take care. <laughs>